This is 89.1 WEMU, and I'm David Fair. We are in the midst of social change, and the voices calling for an end to systemic racism are growing in number and in volume. Throughout the country and here in Washtenaw County, racism in many communities has been declared a public health crisis, and that's the focus of today's edition of Washtenaw United. Joining me is Dr. Roxanne Raffin-Chan. She is owner of Chan Body Energy and Celine, and thank you so much for the time today. I appreciate it. Oh, thank you. I'm happy to be here and talk about this topic. Do you agree with the statement, then, that racism is indeed a public health crisis? Oh, yes. The topic of racism in public health is enormously enormously complex, but it really sits at the crossways of social cohesion and social capital and really drives um, people's health in the whole community, thus driving all of our health. At what point in your educational and professional life did you come to that conclusion? Oh, I've been a nurse for a long time, about 40 years, and I've been able to work across the country in rural and urban areas and worked a lot with disadvantaged populations and really seen firsthand the consequences of people who aren't part of the social fabric and what happens to their health and the difficulties they have in maintaining their health. Now, Chan Body Energy is about holistic healing. And as you've mentioned, you have worked across the spectrum, across the country. Do you find that uh, the matter of race is dealt differently in the holistic realm as in the traditional healthcare realm? Oh, I would hope not. I don't know all the holistic nurses that are in the United States, but having a holistic stance means that I um, work to generate a sense of presence with the people that I'm taking care of, which includes a non-judgmental attitude. So I work to in order to see the person as they are. And we now in nursing have a full understanding that race is a social construct. There really is no um, physiological differences between people based on their skin color. The difference that we understand is from their experience of life, which creates added stress and trauma to them, which then drives morbidity and mortality. But there's no physiological difference. So that takes us back to the learning process and how we tend to uh, identify ways to overcome these issues. You got your undergraduate and master's in nursing and nursing administration while you were in Illinois, and then your Ph.D. uh, in Ann Arbor at the University of Michigan with a particular focus on health improvement and health risk education. In those experiences, did you find there was enough educational focus on health care access and racial equity and equality in care and treatment? Well, there is educational focus on that area, and I've taught those classes at many universities. The problem lies in the need to refocus our public policy and spending to get public health nurses in the community. I spent three years um, being a parish nurse, and that was a way to have a nurse out in the community that was not um, dependent on a public health nurse salary. So we really need to put our money where our needs are in addressing the social determinants of health. 
89.1 WEMU's Washtenaw United, and our conversation on racism as a public health crisis continues with the owner of Chan Body Energy, that is Dr. Roxanne Raffin-Chan. Now, you've mentioned health outcomes become different. Uh, let's talk about access to the health care system in your years of learning and working. What about the policy that you were discussing, that bureaucratic process of health care, allows for such disparity? Well, I think... I think we have an overemphasis on a focus on access to healthcare proper, like medicines, physicians, nurses, procedures. Really, what we find is health is more driven by the social determinants of health, where someone lives and works, their housing, their clean water, their um, healthy food, their education um, opportunities. So, we really need to shift our focus to providing um, mental health care in the community and access to good education and housing, that really drives health more than access to medications and procedures and doctors. Um, So I think that's the shift that we have to go for. And as we discuss that kind of shift, it comes down uh, in great measure to compassion and empathy. I think it was Che Guevara who said the concept of love is critical to revolution, saying you can have no revolution without love, and love is where all revolutions begin. Then in one of his many memorable speeches, Dr. Martin Luther King referred to these systemic issues of separation and inequity for people of color as the other America. And I think that was all the way back in 1967. It's 2021, and we aren't there yet, and we have a long way to go. Can a revolution mm-hmm. of love get us there and erase the boundaries of that other America? Oh, absolutely. I'm just reading a new book by Michael Lerner, and he is so bold as to talk about social energy. And that is what happens when we have a system of racism, is we have a rip in the social energy that we all live in, which lowers everybody's level of health. Um, we need to focus more on um, interventions or activities that create a new social energy or a new way to relate to each other. So programs like um, Truth, uh, Racial Healing and Transformation that run racial healing circles is critical to repairing our ability to be a community, to develop social cohesion and social capital together for everyone. Washington United and our conversation with Dr. Roxanne Raffin-Chan continues on 89.1 WEMU. What you just said is fascinating. Kind of inform me a little on that Truth, Racial Healing, and Transformation program. Oh, absolutely. So this program is actually nationwide. Here in Michigan, we have three cities that are consciously building um, racial healing circles and extending out in the community, Kalamazoo, um, Lansing Metro, and Flint. And I'm part of the Lansing Metro um, organization, which is under the umbrella of One Love Global and is funded by a grant from the Kellogg Foundation. You go to four circles once a month for 90 minutes, and it's a way for people to tell their story, to dip into some realization about themselves. Implicit biases are very sneaky. We have (laughs) had structural racism for a long time, and we don't know our implicit biases unless we bump into them or we take some time to really converse with other people. So we've been running these circles. And in fact, we had one in Celine over the winter, which went very well. Now that we can do them, we can do them virtually. We can really reach out to a lot more people a lot more quickly. Is 
talking or listening more important in this process? Oh, definitely the listening, non-judgmental listening, listening with compassion. Uh, the non-fixing is really what's important because when someone listens to you without trying to fix you or change you, you're allowed to hear yourself talk and come to your own realizations. You may not come to it when you first say the words out of your mouth. It might be a day later or two days later that something comes to you based on what you were able to share with someone else without that other person judging you or pushing you back or giving you advice. And that's where the real growth comes, that we are now able to see our implicit biases, to see how to develop real friendships and alliances with people that we might not have done so in the past because of structural racism and other marginalizations based on religion or gender identification or sexual orientation, whatever whatever walls we put around ourselves. That is almost contradictory to what we do. If we are to engage in that way and allow for such personal growth and then build a community from that growth, we then elect people and put them in office and ask them to fix things. Uh, listening, interacting, expressions of kindness, having open minds, suspending judgment, all key aspects of the racial healing circles you just described. Where do you find those attributes being effectively applied in the bureaucracy of government and the healthcare system? Oh, that's a really good question. I think bureaucracy in the healthcare system is just as stuck in the beliefs of deserving as any other aspect of our country. And unfortunately, we do know that this is getting perhaps worse, but mm, I think if we look, we can see that people are genuinely good. And it's just a matter of giving opportunity and um, validating when someone shares their feelings or a different viewpoint or being more inclusive. All we need to do is actually let that happen. Again. That's the best validation. Again, accepting the concept that racism is indeed a public health crisis, what level would you rate your personal optimism that we can and will overcome? Oh, I'm highly optimistic. And I think because of my experience of being a nurse, I had the wonderful opportunity to be really at the bedside or in the home of so many people during so many intimate occasions, death, birth, um, recovery from severe illness, and you really get to see people that they're really inherently good and loving. And so I know that's the truth, that people are inherently good and loving. We just need to create space for that. Well, thank you for sharing your time and creating space for me today. I do appreciate it, Dr. Chan. Thank you very much for having me. I, I, I believe this message is very important today. That is Dr. Roxanne Raffin-Chan, owner of Chan Body Energy and Celine. And to find out more about the work Dr. Chan is doing and about today's subject matter, visit our website at wemu.org, and we'll connect you to all you want to know. Washtenaw United is produced in partnership with the United Way of Washtenaw County, and you hear it every Monday. I'm David Fair, and this is your community NPR station, 891 WEMU-FM and WEMU-HD1 Ypsilanti.